Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast, featuring interviews with health and wellness professionals empowering you to take control of your health and happiness. Feel better, look better, and live better today by subscribing right now for new episodes every week. The Wellness Plus Podcast is brought to you by wellnessplus.tv and made possible by the generous donations of Psyche Truth Patreon supporters. Now here's your host, Certified Holistic Health Coach, Karina Hello and welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Rachel, and I'm joined today by Dr. Ashley Maltz, MD. Ashley, thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you, Karina. Yeah. So you went through medical school. What would you say was the, I mean, we think that's like an eight-year program, right? But how many years did that really end up being? So... Med school and the training that comes after, and even the education that comes before, mm-hmm. for me, was a four years of undergrad, so you do pre-medical uh, bio, biology and chemistry courses, physics, all of that mm-hmm. lovely stuff. Then you, while you're there, you take the MCAT, which is can be a pretty rigorous mm-hmm. process for some. Then you may or may not get accepted. Fortunately, I was accepted, and on the first go-around, that was four years. And then I did a four-year combined internal and preventive medicine residency. Okay. So that's uh, three times four, 12 so far. And then add on another two years of fellowship that I did for my integrative medicine training. Wow. So 16, or 14 years is what I... Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. So I think it's really interesting that you really started in what would be considered like the mainstream medical world. Mm -hmm. Um, What was it that kind of made you want to expand into the world of integrative medicine? So even before I went to med school, I kind of knew I didn't want to be on a treadmill, seeing a ton of patients, Mm. writing out scripts left and right. Um, I already had that. The notion that there was something else out there for me. I didn't right. know what it was. I didn't have the terms uh, like holistic or preventive or um, integrative. I, they hadn't even come down the radar yet for me. Mm-hmm. To the radar. So fortunately, though, in my first year of med school, first or second year, I can't quite remember, there is there was a faculty member at my university who came and presented to us on integrative medicine. And while half of my class was asleep, the, the other one quarter or maybe more was uh, laughing or, you know, just rolling their eyes, rolling their eyes as people often exactly. do. And I was like, ears up, eyes <laughs> on the sky. I had found, you know, what I really, I was just so excited. Mm-hmm. So naturally I got to work with him and rotate, do some rotations he set me along on a path of um, more academic integrative medicine. So I got to, I had the opportunity to go to University of Arizona, uh, Andrew Wild, Dr. Andrew, Andy Wild's program yeah. as a fourth year medical student and do a one month rotation there where you're amongst your colleagues, your, your peers, mm-hmm. and other med students and residents, and you're just really immersed in learning about integrative medicine of all kinds. Yeah. Um, we did like uh, meditations and Tai Chi and 
uh, learned about herbs and botanicals from Dr. Tarona Lodog, who is like one of my sheroes in the world and <laughs> most amazing woman on earth, or one of. And then um, learned from Andy Weil a little bit, learned from Victoria Maisie's, all these, Randy Hoffman, there's so many amazing mm-hmm. minds over there, um, really getting the word out and teaching yeah. doctors, residents, and things like that. And so from there, I got to, um, I got a taste of it, of what I really loved mm-hmm. and wanted to learn more and more about. And it just, you know, fortunately, after residency, or right at the end of my residency, I was presented with an opportunity to delve further into it with a fellowship in integrative medicine. Okay. And the rest is history. Wow. So, yeah. So can you maybe speak a little bit to, uh, you know, what is... Because the term integrative medicine has kind of become a, a pretty a pretty big umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just talk about like the different maybe little pieces that go yeah. into sure. that? Yeah. So, yes, as you mentioned, integrative medicine or holistic medicine mm-hmm. is a very – actually, I would say those two things are separate. Okay. Um, holistic medicine really just refers to addressing the whole person. Mm-hmm whether that's the whole person with medications and pharmaceuticals and surgery, you know, versus the opposite natural ways to address it is up to the practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, integrative medicine blends basically the best of all healing modalities, including allopathic medicine, mm-hmm. into a, you know, holistic medical system. Right. So... Like, when someone comes to see me, I sit and talk with them for an hour, interview them, much like you're doing with me, (laughs) and ask their entire timeline, like, where did you, you know, tell me about your mom's pregnancy with you, and um, the birth, and uh, tell me your child, how your childhood was, and Mm -hmm. where did you live, and were there any, you know, environmental pollutants around you and right. you know, not, a lot of people don't know that stuff but if they do they do and, and it's interesting because when you do start asking people that a lot of times they'll realize oh you know we were near whatever a, a chemical plant that ended up having you know spill lots of spills or something so it's interesting how those kind of things that kind of just lurk in people's subconscious and they don't think about them actively. Most people aren't thinking about their childhood and their day to day. But then when you start talking with them about it, a lot of times those things do come up. Um, And so it sounds like you're just trying to get a really, uh, you know, start to finish kind of view of what they've been going through. So interestingly, in Native American medicine here in the U.S. and maybe elsewhere, I don't know, um, I've learned that they will interview, they don't even interview you as the patient. They'll call in, where's your mom and your <laughs> grandmother? Wow. And that, they don't really, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's about the lineage and, you know, how things are passed on energetically or spiritually. And wow. So, you know, you know, I'm, I am not a shaman. <laughs> I wish I was, but, or a medicine woman, but, um, I have picked up pieces from all kinds of cultures all over the world. Wow. Um, and a lot of what we do, we try to do, is evidence-based. So mm-hmm. there ha- there should be some studies at least showing no harm or mm-hmm. no harm or knowing where the harm is. Right. You know, dosing and what 
part of the plant if we're doing herbal medicine and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And, of course, so everyone tends to gravitate toward their favorites. So no one person can know every detail of everything. Right. Because um, there's just too much to know. So integrative medicine is an umbrella term. I personally think it holds... Um, there's so many little layers and, and big layers in there. So mm-hmm. anything from nutrition, so that includes nutritionists and health coaches and motivational interviewing and all the various diets that mm-hmm. are out there. Right. From pegan to pegan. Ke- Pe- yeah. Is that like paleo vegan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. use my context clues there. I know. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. It exists. It's yeah. There. There's intermittent fasting, and there's there's a hundred million different ways mm-hmm. to be a human these days. Definitely. Functional medicine. It involves that. So you know, kind of a more biochemical systems based um, system. Uh, Ayurveda, which is from India, the country, mm-hmm. not native India. You know, right? American. Um, you know. Native folk medicine, like uh, curanderismo from the Latin s- states and um, countries, uh, culture, right. and Native American medicine. There is a, it really ranges the gamut. Mm-hmm. Massage, acupuncture, or TCM, traditional Chinese medicine. Right. Um, chiropractic. I mean, anything and everything right. is a, falls, can fall under integrative medicine. Right. So... So then from the patient's perspective, can you maybe speak a little bit to, you know, because I think for a lot of people who are maybe experiencing some kind of a health issue, um, and especially those kind of chronic conditions or what I've heard people refer to as medical mysteries, Mm -hmm. where maybe the doctors tell them, oh, we just really don't know what's causing this problem or whatever, what uh, what would you recommend to someone, you know, with all of these different options at their fingertips, what would be the path for the patient to really get the answers that they're looking for? So number one, I think you really need to find someone that listens. Yeah. And that's the most important therapeutic relationship mm-hmm. factor. Um, if people feel like their doctor is just dodging their answers or their questions or inquiries, then, you know, doctors aren't taught to deal with these medical mysteries. We really don't have all the answers. And that's where the integrative medicine piece comes in, or Mm. even alternative medicine. So alternative means instead of, right? It's not the, the, it's an alternative. Mm -hmm. The other. Um, I would say, so for people suffering and, you know, and that's, a lot of people in all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you really need to work with a practitioner who gets you, who just is there for you. And even if they don't have all the answers, learn from each other. Mm-hmm. They can talk to you about what they do know, and maybe you can enlighten them on what you know. And you know, unfortunately, our medical system doesn't really al- allow for this deep learning exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, that I have learned throughout my career so far. Mm-hmm. However, there are ways to find that. And there are some really, really dedicated, passionate, allopathic Western docs who right. just 
you know, they just don't know. We get 16 hours of nutrition training in medical school. Wow. And all so of out of you were, you just said it was around 14 years. But I know you did a lot of that additional, like, right. integrative training. So the typical medical program, we think about eight years, 16 hours? 16 hours. Of nutrition yep. training? Wow. And really all it is is how do these specific compounds break down in the body. How are they digested and metabolized? Wow. And utilized in the body. Other than that, it's not, we're not getting like, you should tell your patients to eat five to seven or 12 servings of vegetables a day. Um, these are what whole grains are. And this is, you know, I mean, obviously people pick that up and there right. are doctors giving out that information. They didn't need extra training. They just, right. We all know vegetables are better for you than <laughs> French fries. And pizza. Right. And intuitive. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's you know, you can't say one is good. There's one thing that's good and the other is bad. Mm-hmm. Everything should be working in harmony. Yeah. And really complementing each other mm-hmm. in that way. So, right. And I think realistically speaking, um, it makes perfect sense that we're got pretty complicated bodies in terms of the things that can potentially go wrong, mm-hmm. things that can potentially, um, you know, prevent our bodies from functioning the way that they should ideally. So it makes sense that there are a lot of different approaches to looking at the body, determining either what... Uh, needs to be removed or what needs to be added for the person. Um, So it sounds like on a person-to-person basis that uh, looking for a doctor who will listen, Mm -hmm. which is a big thing, because I know that when I used to go to the general practitioner, I felt like all I wanted to do was get out of their hair. Mm -hmm. They were in a rush. I didn't want to take up their time. I didn't want to ask them additional questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I kind of realize that it's, that's kind of it should be the other way around, you know. We're paying, you know, paying these people to help us, so we should feel we can talk to them, we can ask our questions, etc. Um, but a lot of times, the kind of typical, you know, trip to the doctor, I feel, is very opposite of that. I feel rushed, etc. So somebody that'll take the time to listen um, and get a. a a bird's eye view, so to speak, on your health. Um, another thing that I see a lot in you know, kind of looking at the mainstream approach is that it kind of tries to compartmentalize the body, Um, which makes sense to the extent that, as you were saying, there's so much information Mm -hmm. that it'd be really hard for any one person to know all of it. So you have people who specialize in the cardiovascular system, people who specialize in, you know, the different areas of the body. But then the idea that you could be, you know, taking a certain set of medications from one doctor and another set of medications from another doctor, et cetera, et cetera, you start to get this, you know, at least for me, pretty clear vision of how now the functioning of the whole body and the interaction of all of the different parts is being ignored. And so maybe there's, you know, a benefit in compartmentalizing to an extent, but then there also has to be this understanding that nothing really works in a vacuum. Um, yes. I believe that's where integrative medicine comes in. So mm-hmm. People come to me and they often bring a bag full of medications or supplements mm. or, um, you know, you know, who knows what. Right. And I will go through and kind of, 
you know, pick and choose which ones, make sure they're on the right dose of things, or, uh, you know, some things, sometimes we overdo it with the supplements. Like, let's yeah. get to off some of these things. Or, or even with the medications, an elderly person on too many medications, that is actually dangerous. Mm. So we want to eliminate those those variables. Right. Um, so, yes, we do need specialists, like, in general, and mm-hmm. they're very important. Um, you do not want me as your surgeon. You do not want me <laughs> as your cardiologist interventionally. Like, if you have a heart attack, I will not know how to put a balloon in your coronary artery and stent it. Um, but I will try to keep you from having that heart attack. Right. And I will, you know, try to keep you alive longer using fewer uh, medical resources. That's mm. my goal. It's really yeah. True kind of take the weight off of the system a little bit, at least a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We use very, very expensive procedures and um, medications, and really a lot of it can be, 80% is estimated that it, of illness in America at least, and probably the rest of the world as well, although we are one of the biggest outliers in terms of disease uh, prevalence, of mm. but eighty percent can be prevented. Wow! So eighty percent of all, you know, heart attacks, strokes, um, diabetes, you know, all of these cancers, like most of them, mm. can be prevented wow. with diet, exercise, stress reduction, and envir- uh, eliminating environmental toxins. So, you know, these things are not expensive mm-hmm. diet, exercise, stress reduction. Those, those are life changes that mm-hmm. all of us can make. Right. And yet we rely very, very heavily on extremely expensive procedures, specialists, and medications. So mm-hmm. tipping the balance a little bit at least towards right. prevention versus treatment is is my goal right. in life. Right. We'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash psychetruth, where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peaks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash psychetruth. That's patreon.com slash P-S-Y-C-H-E-T-R-U-T-H. And I think it's also worth noting that, you know, in addition to um, those interventions being usually very costly, they're also very invasive to the person. You know, by the time that it's a surgical procedure, that you need in order to survive, not only is the medical issue that got you up to needing that surgery Mm -hmm. causing a huge amount of stress on the body, Mm -hmm. but now the treatment itself is going to cause a huge amount of stress and you're going to need that recovery time. And, And I think that's a big piece that, you know, people don't, don't necessarily realize. You know, there's a lot of people who I think know that there's uh, things we can do to help prevent a lot of these chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. They're like, "Eh, whatever, I'll worry about it later. Mm -hmm. Or I'd rather, you know, I'd rather 
eat this junk food, then worry about it. You know, it's, it'll be someone else's problem later. But realistically speaking, it is going to be their problem. Um, and I think that it's, uh, it's really unfortunate that we're kind of living in a culture where the, the major, you know, I want to say, I think it's just very unfortunate that we're living in a culture where the biggest uh, manufacturers, the biggest advertisers we're exposed to are unfortunately selling these really harmful foods. Mm-hmm. Um, you could talk about the refined sugar, the general processing, the GMOs. I mean, just looking at what we are um, – you know, not only have access to everywhere, but what they are using, you know, billions of dollars to advertise to us uh, that I totally understand why people are feeling like, eh, I'm going to go through the drive-thru and worry about it later. But at the same time, if you can maybe get an idea of like what you're really setting yourself up for, um, at least for me, that becomes the impetus to mm-hmm. choose something healthier, to you know make time for exercise. Or uh, I think the managing stress thing is so big right now. Yeah. And you know, I remember when I used to hear people like, "Oh, you got to avoid stress." I thought, "Well, that's impossible." Yeah. Like, could you come up with a more, like, ridiculous thing to tell someone to do? We'll try to avoid stress. Um, So, you know, one of the things we're really dedicated to with Wellness Plus is trying to teach people how you manage stress. Oh, well, you do a couple minutes of deep breathing. Mm -hmm. You, you know, make a a meditation practice or a yoga practice, Mm -hmm. uh, something that you're, you know, doing specifically to help manage your stress levels and reduce your cortisol, et cetera. Go outside. Yeah. You're in nature. You're physically active. You Mm -hmm. sleep more. Like, yes. Yeah. All of the above. And I think it's so funny because when you are looking at the kind of holistic or more natural approach, it does kind of come down to those things like, well, eat your vegetables, Mm -hmm. get plenty of sleep. And people kind of, you know, shrug their shoulders or roll their eyes at those things. But I think it's really interesting, uh, you know, on the other hand, hey, those like you kind of mentioned a second ago, those things are actually really easy to do. But what does it take to really inspire people to do them? That's a million-dollar question. I mean, I think if we knew that answer, every person on the planet would be living a healthful, happy mm-hmm. life. Um, unfortunately, the influences around us are not interested in our right. health and wellness per se, or maybe they say they are, but they really aren't. They're interested in their bottom line, and they want to mm-hmm. sell more cookies and candies and crackers and sodas, and that's their bottom line. Right. And more french fries, more all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong, those things are delicious. <laughs> right. But, you know, we fall into a trap. Of mm-hmm. When you eat the food that's there, you're, you don't have time, you're stressed, you're eating whatever's there, your cortisol levels are higher, your sugar content, you know, your right goes up, your sh- uh, the blood, sugar, blood sugars will go up, and then you're not sleeping well, you're not digesting mm. well, you're, you know, and then you wake up feeling crappy again. It's, it's a long, it's a vicious cycle. And right. So, um, working with people one-on-one or, you know, some people do group visits 
in integrative medicine, which I used to do in my, my old faculty position. Um, it's really therapeutic. It really mm -hmm. helps people kind of, oh, well, what can I do right now to improve my health? And it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be, I'm going to run a marathon. <laughs> you don't have to become a CrossFit champion. Right. You can just add some more vegetables to your plate mm -hmm. with each meal. Right. Just one serving extra and take away, you know, that fried food or right. that one less serving of that. Mm -hmm. You know, take away the soda and substitute with unsweetened iced tea or, you know, whatever it is. Right. You have, that's why we need an army of people doing this one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one because every person will be different. Right. And there is no one-size-fits-all, unfortunately. be a lot easier if there was. Right. But right. the, the thing that you were, you reminded me of a quote that says, um, and I may butcher it, but the takeaway is you, if you think eating healthy or, or having healthful behaviors now is expensive, wait until mm -hmm. you're diagnosed with X, insert right. chronic disease or right. terminal illness now. Mm -hmm. you know? So um, the people are all like, oh, yeah, diabetes, there's, that's manageable. Okay, it is. It's very manageable. But you're checking, you're literally taking a piece of a needle and sticking your finger three to four times a day, depending on your control. You have to have the supplies, the test strips to do that. Those things are expensive. Mm -hmm. Like my, my patients always complain how expensive they are. Um, the glucometer insurance may or may not cover that. Oh, you're, wow. Yeah. You're, um, if you're on insulin, that's extremely expensive I would say than a hundred a hundred and fifty dollars a month mm. so and you can't eat all the foods that right I mean you, you, you couldn't use the insulin to cover all of that but you're constantly having to stick yourself or inject yourself that's painful yeah um, I know, know I remember my grandma um would when she would come to visit mm -hmm. and we would go out to eat and there would always like be this time where she would have to either like go to the bathroom yeah. or out in the parking lot or whatever um and thankfully she she I never had to like see her inject but I know she, you know yeah. um that was like a very traumatizing thing for me as a kid I remember thinking oh my god you know mm -hmm. and then when I learned later about diabetes and what it was and everything I thought oh that's what she was doing that's what she was doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I just remember thinking, like, how horrible that seemed, that she always had to be doing those injections and testing her blood. And just the couple times I've had to prick my finger for a blood test or something. And I'm kind of a wuss. But I can't. Bad, but, but having to do yeah. it every day, Thank several times a day, mm -hmm. I mean, that would be, I would say that is not worth, um, you know, saying throwing caution to the wind now right also added on is the medications don't make you feel that great oh Some of, yeah i mean so insulin you gain weight that's a typical mm -hmm. side effect from insulin um you just when your sugar's high you don't feel well at all mm -hmm. like you, you have brain fog headaches nausea fatigue mm. you know there's all kinds of things um, and then you're on a whole slew of other med medications and you have to go see the doctor at least every three months for just your primary care, wow. then the cardiologist, then the kidney doctor, then the eye doctor every year, the foot doctor every year. I mean, there are, these are huge ramifications. We're not talking, and this is on a, there are how many people in the U.S.? Eight billion? Hmm. It's 30 million people and rising have 
diabetes, this is what this is where our expenses are. And not mm-hmm. every I would never say that people don't need a treatment. They do. And we need to you know, but you know, that's one piece of the pie. And right. The low sugar pie. <laughs> Fruit filled non the stevia pie. Yeah, <laughs> So, you know, I just think the whole mentality of, you know, not taking care of yourself when you don't know when you're going to die, yeah. you could die tomorrow, is just, it's not valid. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't understand it. I can't relate to it. And right. Most people who come to me are extremely proactive in their health. And, and so I, I do have a pretty skewed population and mm-hmm. bias, but. Right. Yeah. So just. And that would be interesting to hear, you know, like, what are the most common things that you see in your practice? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it is worth mentioning that, you know, clearly there are far more people who are kind of still in that mainstream approach. Um, What is it that causes someone to say, I want to find an integrative doctor or, you know, what it is that brings them to your doorstep, so to speak? So usually my patients, I see... And Austin is a very unique place. So mm-hmm. Let's be, you know, let's put that out on the table. The health and wellness industry here is vibrant. People right. are outdoors, they're canoeing, they're hiking, they're with their dogs, book, rock climbing, mm-hmm. doing rock yoga every on every corner. Right. So we're really lucky. That is, it's a young population, for the most part, young. Um, but there are also huge disparities. You know, if you go into the poorer parts of town, there's, rampant alcoholism and drug use and mm. diabetes and all all the cardiovascular illnesses that are out there. So it, it's a wide spectrum, but what usually brings people to my door is A, they're uninsured, and I, I do accept cash, so like I, I'm only cash, I don't take insurance, mm-hmm. or B, which is a bigger population, they've been through the gamut of Western medicine, they're sick and tired of being sick and tired Mm. and they want someone to go a little deeper and to look further down the rabbit hole of their health right um they want more time with a doctor they don't want to be rushed through a clinic and in a sterile environment Mm -hmm. they just aren't comfortable and they want that connection they want to be able to contact me have direct access to me um more frequently than Mm -hmm. they'd be in a bigger clinic Right. Um, now, that being said, there are some docs who work in the really high-volume clinics, and they are just phenomenal. They can get back to their patients, and they you never know that you're only spending 15 minutes with them. And mm. those, you know, those are amazing doctors. But right. for the most part, you know, doctors feel rushed and right. want to spend more time with their patients. And that that's a whole other conversation that I could get into, physician and healthcare wellness and um, burnout is the term that we use. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we could go there in another episode. Yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, so I see lots of uh, digestive issues, hormonal mm. issues, thyroid uh, dysfunction. Yeah. Um, things metabolic, pre-metabolic, so higher cholesterol, but you don't want to go on medication mm. statin, or you've had a bad reaction to a statin. Or, you know, it, it really ranges a lot. I see a lot, a lot, a lot of anxiety and depression mm. and also not really being okay with some um, medication, but wanting to get 
go deeper, like yeah. stress management tools, and I do medical acupuncture, so okay. I use that as a tool. I also see a lot of chronic pain mm-hmm. patients because I have my medical acupuncture, and I use tryptophan injections, which is another technique using needles. So it's diverse. Yeah. 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 And then can you maybe just speak to, you know, you mentioned that they are maybe a little uh, disenchanted <laughs> with what they've been getting in the mainstream. Right. You know, because I, for myself, feel, you know, I don't want to take pharmaceutical drugs. Mm-hmm. And I do my best to avoid them as much as possible. And mm-hmm. I don't take any that are like a daily medication. Yeah. So if I have a, you know, I had an infected insect bite on my leg or something, you know, and I, I went to the doctor and I did the, you know, normal protocol. But in general, I have a, a just a general feeling that I don't want to be taking those medications. But what is the experience for people who, you know, are in that system that caused them to want to yeah. look outside of it? I think people are just opening to the fact that there are alternatives. Mm. You know, many people for so long, the doctor was a pedagogue like this demigod, you know, Mm -hmm. someone you admired and looked up to in the community and um, what they said went like that was, that's it. That's all you had. Mm -hmm. Um, Or not. If you could have been in an indigenous community and a rural area and you have lots of folk medicine and you're all natural. Um, So it's, but the majority of Americans, I would say, were on the opposite side. Mm -hmm. um, Doctors and the Western world, actually, doctors were... It was their way, you know, and Mm -hmm. there are some brilliant, brilliant minds that came out of that. But what we're learning is that model no longer fits our um, millennial populations, our our generations that are coming up and saying, no, we we want a little more. We want answers and we don't want to be told what to do per se. We want to know why and understand it more because Mm. I think technology has just opened up. You can look up anything now. I mean, yeah. what's a neurotransmitter and know which neurotransmitters you're you're mucking around with with antidepressants. So, you know, the general population didn't have that information right. 20, 10, 10 years ago. <laughs> well, let's say 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure when the internet Well, and it was interesting because I remember when... You know, the internet was just like people making little websites, and then they came up with the word blog or whatever. Um, Yeah, definitely chat rooms. Um, And then at some point, it was like the the ceiling broke or the floor dropped out or whatever, and then it was just information everywhere. Um, And it and and it has it's become this huge, amazing resource filled with information. and so, yeah, like you said, people now have at their fingertips the ability to go in and look up their symptoms, look up the diagnosis that they heard, um, look up the medication they've been given. Right. Um, so there's, yeah, there's more information for people. But in that same um, wondrous, amazing amount of, of education that's now there, it's also kind of come with this amazing, wondrous amount of feeling overwhelmed, mm-hmm. <laughs> feeling confused. Mm-hmm. There can be conflicting information. And, you know, I, um, and I'm right there too. I've definitely spent enough of my time researching things and why, why are these two things say completely opposite information? And, and that is very frustrating. 
Um, so would you say that that's maybe another part of it too, is Absolutely. you want to work with a practitioner so that you can have a sense of knowing yeah. uh, which path to take right. or... That's where a skilled clinician who's had experience, who can look through the data mm-hmm. and really discern what's good and what's not, mm-hmm. um, is really important. So I often get people coming to my door with that. I'm just overwhelmed with all these recommendations and my online search and my this and that. I really want to be healthy and Mm. vibrant. And, you know, that's, I would say that's probably the majority of my patients. Um, And they come with long lists of, you know, I want, can you check this vitamin? And, you know, some vitamins I've never heard of, like, well, or never checked. Right. You know, it's not something you normally check, but... Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's about empowerment, and patients are kind of taking that, or the general public are taking back their health, mm-hmm. and ownership of their health, and I think that's fantastic. The overwhelm does come in mm-hmm. at some point, and it can become debilitating, actually. Yeah. There's like paralysis that can ensue. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in between, so someone who's, I've, I know alert signs to really all the bad, the really bad things that can happen. I know those signs in and out. That's easy. Mm-hmm. I've seen people dying. I've seen, I've made very difficult diagnoses. Um, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. I've seen them through the process of treatment. Um, the general public doesn't generally have that right. knowledge. Right? right. So there, there are differences. And yes, we do, you know, go deeper with our learning. We go to conferences. We have to stay up on top of um, current guidelines and research. And, you know, so it's just, I'm, I really love empowerment of the general public. Yeah. So there is some caution there that, Mm. you know, I think it's important to work with a practitioner. Yeah. That's what they're doing. Yeah. You know, and if they're not, if they don't know one particular topic that they're willing to learn Mm -hmm. and go off and do some research. Right. I often say, I don't know. I'm going to have to get back to you on that. Right. You know, 24 hours later, I have looked through and maybe talked with some colleagues, you know, because I'm I'm always learning still. Right. There's 16, 20 years in there. I'm still (laughs) learning every single day, and I learn most from my patients. That's wonderful. (laughs) They bring me things that I've never heard of. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, let's <laughs> let me go down that rabbit hole right today. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty awesome. It's very rewarding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you talked you talked about the kind of the common things that people are coming in, and I'm hoping we can maybe just touch on some of those things a little bit. Mm-hmm. So digestive issues was the first thing that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and I know um, as a health coach, I see a lot of people that are mm-hmm. suffering with you know, IBS, or I was diagnosed with Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, Mm -hmm. etc. And so a a big piece of it is looking at, you know, reducing processed foods and how we can help uh, repair the digestive tract a little bit. Can you speak to that a little bit and maybe what you have seen uh, that works really well for people? So I love IBS because I have had it. My for many of my adult life years. Mm. And when I'm really stressed out, it tends to act up. So I definitely know the gut-brain connection. Wow. Um, I know it in and out because 
I've experienced it. I've lived it. Mm. So IBS and is one of those syndromes that nobody really knows the cause of. Nobody has. There really aren't great allopathic treatments for. Um, there are some medications, but I don't know. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. Mm. Um, I love things like peppermint oil or um, stress reduction, obviously, but um, acupuncture can be extremely helpful for the gut. I mean, it really is inducing the parasympathetic nervous system, your rest and digest. Mm -hmm. It's upping that so that you can can digest better. Same with Ayurvedic practices. If you go and see an uh, Ayurvedic medicine practitioner, they'll work first with the gut. This is where we this is what we need to integrate mm-hmm. and bring in nutrients. And if you don't have a healthy gut, you really can't get everything you need. Right. Um, so elimination of inflammatory foods, gluten is a big one, soy, dairy, um, peanuts, you know, just various mm-hmm. ones and for every person. I usually take someone through an elimination diet to start or we'll do some stool testing through outside labs and um, or food sensitivity testing, mm-hmm. depending on symptoms. And then we, you know, um, repair. So curcumin, t- turmeric is one of my favorites, and L-gluamine, which coats and soothes, you know, fixes leaky gut. And yeah. Vera juice and ginger. I mean, there's so many amazing plants. And, yeah. Um, supplements that I that I love to work with. All right. So it's a wide and diverse topic, but mm-hmm. it's also near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Um, IBS and uh, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis are also had pretty good success with helping those um, mm-hmm. similar treatments. Yeah. Um, they are just autoimmune inflammatory disorders that have just kind of gone. Yeah. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about how, because I think, you know, so, you know, for me with my background, mm-hmm. I can kind of understand like how this like autoimmune response can come from the gut. But can you speak to that a little mm-hmm. bit? Because I think for a lot of the people out there that are experiencing these issues, it's hard to understand like, wait, autoimmune issues with my gut? It mm-hmm. feels very, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's not as, uh Yeah. Well, just like that feels foreign to us, there are foreign particles that can get in, introduced into the gut. Mm. In fact, everything is pretty much foreign unless it's seen as self. And the body, the mo- majority of the immune system lives in the gut. We've learned this over the, just over the last 10 years or mm-hmm. so. So IgA is the first knight on the charge. He, he or she is there and ready to slay dragons, whatever comes its way. So they line all the, um, also in the nose and the mouth and the secret, you know, the secretory pathways. Like mm-hmm. all their first line of defense, other than your skin, mm-hmm. your external barrier. So the minute you take something in, it your body is saying, is this me or is this something else? Is this mm. foreign? And if it senses that it's foreign, it will attack it and destroy it. That's its job. Right. Um, and hopefully most of that comes out of the, in the stool. But if you've had inflammatory insults or problems, you know, throughout 
so many, you've had so many hits, we call it like the two or three hit theory. Mm -hmm. Um, you have a genetic predisposition or, um, so people in your family have had similar issues where you've been had extreme stress or trauma or you've really not taken, eaten well, Mm -hmm. you have all these, the perfect storm comes together, your gut lining actually separates into, um, at the gap junctions. I wish I could draw you a picture, but anyway, (laughs) this protective barrier that keeps your gut intact and the outsiders outside and the inside inside gets damaged. Mm. So particles from the gut can get into the bloodstream. This is what we call leaky gut. Mm. And it sets off inflammatory cascades throughout your body because it should not be in your bloodstream at all. Mm -hmm. So... I honestly, so this is where I start for the majority of people, mm-hmm. even if it's just learning deep belly breathing to improve that parasympathetic rest and digest tone mm-hmm. of the vagus nerve, which tracks all the way down. I'm sorry if I'm getting too No, much. I love it. Okay. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's about balance and about mm-hmm. finding, everyone has to find their own. Right. Uh, The podcast you are listening to was brought to you by wellnessplus.tv, a subscription service empowering you with everything you need to take control of your health and happiness. Sign up for your free trial today to watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to our extensive library, including hundreds of follow-along yoga and fitness courses, massage therapy tutorials, weight loss information, guided meditations, educational health videos, and so much more. Feel better, look better, and live better today by visiting wellnessplus.tv. And I think it's so interesting that you would bring up, like almost the first thing you mentioned is, oh yeah, when I'm stressed, I definitely notice that these issues flare up. Um, And I think it's, you know, again, one of those things where we can all... We've all experienced stress. We know it's unpleasant. We know what it's like to feel frustrated. We know what it's like to feel at your wit's end or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's a clear understanding of like, okay, but what is that doing internally? Like clearly the mental and emotional experience of stress is pretty unpleasant. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think recognizing that, you know, there's this whole kind of domino effect Mm -hmm. that stress uh, that maybe like emanates from stress um, and that the digestive tract is is like a big piece of that. So speaking about the parasympathetic nervous system, and this is a concept that comes up a lot with my health coaching, is helping people understand that, hey, all the time that you're spending in that like stressful fight or flight kind of mode, mm-hmm. your body's kind of under attack. Um, and so if you're always in that stressful state of mind, then all of these little things like your body healing and repairing, mm-hmm. your body making new muscle tissue. You know, mm-hmm. so many of the people I work with are trying to lose weight or they're trying to get really fit. And, you know, they, they end up revealing that they're only sleeping like three hours a night so they can get up early and go work out. And I try to instill that, you know, actually your body can't even repair and build muscle or do whatever if you're not sleeping. Um, So I think recognizing that there's this big link between stress and digestive issues Mm -hmm. is a really big piece. It's huge. 
it's huge. I mean, they the terms that have come out just in the regular vernacular, you know, dialect is, you know, I got punched in the gut and mm. I sensed it in my gut or... Um, oh, yeah, gut feeling. Gut feeling, yes. I mean, it all comes down to the nervous system in the gut. Wow. Um, and some would argue energetic systems in the gut that it can sense things mm-hmm. before it's going to happen or so there's that whole energetics perspective but um yeah so fight or flight is a useful process it's normal it's we need that to get mm-hmm. up in the morning we need it to um stave off someone who's attacking us hopefully mm-hmm. that's no one but Right. We don't need it every single day, all day long, which is what our society is living in mm-hmm. constantly, and that's a lot of why we have so much, so many such high rates of illness and disease. Mm-hmm. We don't rest. We don't rest well. Yeah. Um, we feel like we constantly need to be working, and mm-hmm. I, I'm I fall guilty to this just as much as anyone else. So mm-hmm. It's about learning how to. Dial that down. Right. Using tools that you've been guided to use, like deep belly breathing or um, meditation or yoga or even acupuncture, mm-hmm. um, and really working on yourself and taking responsibility. I yeah. Think, I think that's a big factor. Right. And just making time for it, you know. And sometimes I'll, because you know, and I think that we're all that way. And I actually had a previous guest who I can't remember the exact term she used, but basically we're just like in the world of busy. Like everyone is encouraged to be busy and you see someone you haven't seen in a while and you're like, oh, how are you? And they're like, oh, I'm so busy. And like we, you know, yeah, we kind of take pride in being busy all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, just kind of knowing that, hey, just as important as it is for you to work and get all this stuff done, it's just as important that you set aside a little chunk of time for not doing anything, <laughs> for relaxing, making sure you're getting sleep, etc. It's so important. I mean, we've, we've really, uh, unfortunately, kind of diced. We've really not attended to our self-care needs mm-hmm. with the advent of increased technology in our lives. We're right. doing more and stressing more, and it's just a nonstop. So I'm, I am all about rest and digest and relaxation and... Um, you know, not think so hard on ourselves. Yeah. And this has been a personal lesson for me as well. Don't, I am not high and mighty. I am not above all of this at all. (laughs) I mean, it's a daily practice every single day. Yeah. How can I make more space in my life? How can I let go of control? How can I be more kind to myself and others Mm. every single day? And some days I'm better and some days I'm not, you know, I (laughs) I am human, but I think... We, if we all did a little bit more of that, then the mm-hmm. world would be a better place and right. we would be much happier. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Most people are not happy. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of most people being not happy, one of the other things that you mentioned was, you know, that you see a lot of anxiety and depression and things like that. Can you maybe speak to a little of what you've seen be helpful with those issues? So a lot of it comes down, I think, also to some of what we've been talking about mm-hmm. lots and lots of downtime is needed to mm-hmm. repair and you know there are physical reasons why people aren't feeling well in mentally um, mm-hmm. so if their gut is 
not is damaged, then we need to repair it, and, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. But, so food is really important, rest is really important, proper sleep, if they're not getting oxygen to their brain at night, mm. like they're snoring or have a, a deviated septum that is causing their oxygen to go low, wow. that needs to be addressed. There are right. medical reasons why you may be depressed or anxious. Mm -hmm. um, but the number one culprit, I think, is busyness, the news, and like technology, and not turning off. We feel like we always have to be plugged in yeah. to media, and I, I love social media, don't get me wrong. It has brought incredible things to my life and people mm -hmm. um, and a sense of community. However, not turning it off stimulates your melatonin to not be secreted and mm. your, increases your cortisol levels, and watching the news is horrible, yeah. having FOMO. Is horrible. FOMO? FOMO. Fear of missing out. Oh. <laughs> fear of missing out. So true. Wow. So true. So it's, um, I'm surprised you didn't know that term. Well, the thing is, I'm, it's funny for someone who, you know, basically my whole job is in YouTube yeah. and, and all of this stuff. I'm pretty out of the loop when it comes to social media it's type of things. Thing. So. probably not a bad thing. So, <laughs> you know, I think turning off the news. I had mm -hmm. a patient who would come in and she's like, I'm not sleeping and I'm anxious. And I was like, well, what are you doing right before sleep? Oh, I watch the news. And I'm like, why are you putting that? I know. The, those horrible things into your mind. You're absorbing that negativity. Mm -hmm. all, every single night before you go to bed, you're what's supposed to be your most calm, peaceful, winding down. Yeah. Is this, trauma. And I think that they purposefully make the news. I mean, obviously there are horrible things going on all around the world. Yeah. I mean, more horrible than I think even Absolutely. people who watch the news all the time maybe even realize. Absolutely. But at the same time, when I do watch the news, and it's actually been kind of a, a long time since I had cable and like watched the 10 o'clock news every night, but I remember that from my childhood. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just kind of interesting how, like, they'll kind of, like, do this, like, really sad, scary, horrifying story. And then they're like, in other news, there's a great parade this weekend. Yeah. And there's going to be a big, giant float of Garfield. And it was, like, this interesting, you know, I don't know what it, what it is exactly. But it's like they're trying to get you really stressed out and upset about something. And then make it look like they're really balanced and trying to not yeah. make you upset or whatever. Yeah. Um, but for those people who, you know, are you know, really empathetic and see those news stories of atrocities going on and it, and it deeply, deeply affects them, uh, it doesn't matter that they try to, oh, but then here's the weather and the weather is going to be nice or whatever. Um, and so I think that that trend towards sensationalizing and making things even more scary and overwhelming, I think that's gotten worse. Right. And I definitely see that as I scroll through like news headlines on my phone or something that like every one you're like, <gasps> right. you know, um, and then I'll go and I'll read the article and I'm like, oh, well, it's not that bad mm -hmm. or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you can see what do they call like a clickbait title or whatever. Um, and, you know, even even before the show, you know, we were kind of talking about what we might want to call this particular yes. episode. Um, and, 
you know, I, I said, you know, medical doctor reveals the benefits of an, of an integrative approach. Right. But I realized in saying that, like, oh, man, I just kind of did that weird clickbaity thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's unfortunate because, you know, as, you know, independent media creators, and there's a lot of independent media creators now, which is wonderful, but we're right there competing for views against all of those big mainstream things who are doing that. And so it's it's almost in a way, um, you know, like in order to, to play in their game or to play on their field or whatever, um, it, it almost does kind of make you need to, to try and scare people or whatever. And I never want to do that. I want to empower people. I want to teach people. I want to help people understand that, hey, there's these real, real simple things you could be doing that are going to have a really big pronounced benefit on you. Um, and it's just a, an interesting comment on our culture, I think, that, you know, just to maybe get somebody to click on your video that could really help them, mm-hmm. I'm having to, you know, kind of join in on that game of, you know, what is what is potentially going to elicit that little stress response. Um, and maybe we won't end up calling this episode that. Maybe I'll <laughs> give it another name. But um, it just kind of made me realize that, like, we're just used to almost everything we see. Has that, like, you know, whatever it is that's going to try to initiate your click. Uh, I see lots and lots of YouTube videos now, you know, these five signs that you're going to have a heart attack tomorrow. Um, And I'll click them because I want to know. And and they'll, you know, have a picture of a symptom. Like, I get these kind of like red, itchy spots on my back when I shower. I think it's the heat. Uh Because when I work out really hard, sometimes it'll happen too. Anyway, so there's like a little icon with somebody with what looks like little red, itchy bumps on their back. And I click it, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a heart attack. And I, was, and I just realized um, there was there was actually a – I can't remember who what the term was, but there was a term for, like, looking stuff up on Google and kind of, like, feeling like a hypochondriac about it. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I noticed myself doing that, and I just feel like it's, um, you know, again, kind of the double-edged sword that now there's all this information, and it's wonderful – but at the same time, like, there's also these kind of, like, scary elements to it and maybe this happy balance where you're learning and you're educating yourself, but you're also noticing those things that mm-hmm. initiate that kind of adrenaline surge and, you know, put us out of, oh, I'm just going to be learning about this topic. I'm going to learn about the news. I'm going to see what's going on versus, like, really high state of stress response as we're learning things and yeah. learning the news. One of the first things I tell my patients is just to turn off the news. Just don't watch it. And if mo- more people don't watch it, then no one's going to make money from it. And mm-hmm. then it'll, you know, evolve. So, right. you know, we can't control everything. Actually, we cannot not control a lot. But you know, <laughs> I do think controlling our own environments is yeah. important and what comes into that environment. And that goes for relationships as well. So, you know, toxic people need mm. to be eliminated or not, I do not kill your, your people. <laughs> I'm talking your relationship needs to kind of evolve. And yeah. There need to be stronger boundaries about that. If, you're, if your work situation is toxic, that needs to change and more, you know. So there are so many things that we can have control over. Mm-hmm. That's really where I start with most of my patients. Right. Um, and sometimes you need an outside perspective on that. Mm-hmm. You can't always see things 
my mom always says, hi mom, um, <laughs> when, you're in, when you're in the pickle jar, all, all you see are the pickles. And it's true. When right. you're literally submerged in a situation or an mm. illness or whatever it is, all you can see is that and how mm. it affects your life in yeah. every way. So having someone kind of lift you up for like 20 minutes or an hour or something and take you out of the pickle jar, mm-hmm. quote unquote, um, it helps. It really, right. you know, it's like, oh, I didn't see myself in that way. Or, mm-hmm. Wow, I really am powerful and strong and look what I've created in my life. Right. Wow, I really have people that love me or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. I can add two vegetables a day. Wow. Right. You know? Right. So. And it's very, very true. I know what you mean about the, uh, the pickle jar thing. Um, I kind of think about it like blinders, you know, yeah. people get their little tunnel blinders vision. on, yeah, tunnel vision, and they're just like focused on this one thing. And yeah, you're right. Sometimes hard to kind of step out and look at it from an outside perspective and mm-hmm. see um, the different things in your life that are maybe creating that situation or perpetuating the situation. And then the things that, like you said, the things you can do to change it, because clearly we can't change everything. But if we change the things that we do have control over, um, there's actually a lot of, you know, um, yeah, empowerment, a lot of benefit that can come from that. So one of the other things you mentioned was um, thyroid mm-hmm. issues are common. Um, and I know I see a lot of comments on our videos and stuff about hypothyroidism, et cetera. Can you maybe speak a little bit? To... Sure. There is more of an epidemic, I would say, of uh, autoimmune thyroid problems, mm. hypothyroidism, even hyper, where you're overactive on, with your thyroid function. Um, a lot of it, again, comes down to diet mm. and toxins in the environment and things that we're putting into our bodies and exposing ourselves to. Um, dietary-wise, we are, as a whole, in society, moving towards uh, sea salt, things that are less processed, which is really good. Mm-hmm. However, we aren't getting the iodine that we need in our daily diet mm. to help the thyroid function. So iodine is, um, you have to have iodine in order for your body to function. And the ways we can get that in our diet is eating kelp or seaweed, um, uh, fish have, you know, cause they eat kelp and seaweed, mm-hmm. but mostly it comes from those types of, uh, I'm, there's, I'm sure there are others. I just can't think off at the top of my head anything else. But, um, you know, we, as, and, and then we have this iodized salt. So they add an iodine molecule onto salt. Mm-hmm. And since we've all mostly moved away from the, that iodine, we aren't getting it in our diets. Wow. So another factor is selenium that we need. Mm. Our soil is depleted from over-farming and reuse and all the horrible things we've been doing over yeah. time. So we aren't getting that factor in as well. So I personally, that's, my belief is where this epidemic of hypothyroid or low-functioning thyroid is coming from, in, mm. in addition to the gut health and lack thereof. And you, right. know, you have, again, that three hits or two hits um, in, in your genetically predisposition to develop some illness, it will occur mm-hmm. if you have too many toxins 
you know, in a broad sense. Yeah. So that's so when someone has uh, hypothyroidism or a thyroid dysfunction, we we do go back to diet. I've seen anti uh, or antibodies to the thyroid come down dramatically with just removal of gluten or dairy or both. Wow. Soy things like that. And you can regain your function of the thyroid. It's really exciting. Mm -hmm. um, most people need to be put on, you know, nutritional support with a, a really great uh, multivitamin with selenium and iodine. Mm. There are some practitioners who load very heavily on iodine. I'm not one of those people. More power to them if they can get it right. I just don't have training in that. And mm -hmm. I don't feel comfortable because you can go too much with iodine. Right. So, um, yeah, eating comes to diet and there are, there's also medication that can help while we're kind of balancing everything out. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do go on to medication just to feel better. Yeah. And get them through the process. So, right. Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting. I actually had, mm. um, I had a family friend a couple years ago and they removed her thyroid mm. and a couple years prior to that my mom um her spleen was removed mm -hmm. due to hemolytic uh hemolytic anemia oh. um but anyways in this whole thing of like removing entire organs mm -hmm. just feels very wrong yeah. to me um but I think maybe it's, it's, again, interesting that, you know, we take this uh, really invasive treatment um, that has become pretty common, just two people that I know in mm -hmm. my life mm -hmm. uh, personally. Um, and then you start talking about helping the body recover, helping to restore thyroid function. And maybe it's as simple as just removing these aggravators mm -hmm. from the diet, bringing in some nutritional things that need to come in. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just so excited to continue this conversation with you and uh, really look forward to having you back on the program. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Definitely. I want to thank all of you for listening. I want to thank all of you for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day, and I hope that you will join us again for the Wellness Plus podcast. You can learn more about Dr. Ashley Maltz at ashleymaltzmd.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I do hope you'll join us again. Have a great day. The Wellness Plus Podcast, copyright 2018, Target Public Media, LLC, all rights reserved.